I just want one day off when I can go swimming and eat ice cream and look at rainbows. Aww. This is Chapel Bell Curve. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today, we're getting into it. We're talking about the Mississippi State Bizarro Bulldogs as our Bulldogs go off to play them in what is sure to be a lovely, lovely game. What do you think is, you know, if we play between the hedges, what do you think are like the bizarro hedges? Is it just like mm. picket fence? Do we play between the picket fence? See, I was thinking it would be more like between the hedge, the interstitial world between this world and the Fey world from okay. from like old English folklore. And Mississippi State is actually the Fey Wild. And so join us in the Fey Wild as we go off to Mississippi. I mean, honestly, it is a bit of the Fey Wild. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I don't know why this is the where you would start other than it's a kind of a current event show, but whoever invited you here, I'm sorry. I apologize for all of the things that we were about to say. Yeah. We really get off topic in these games that are, are less than consequential, but we will do our best to stay on topic. The way that we do that is we structure our show into a few different segments. The first one being a little bit of qualitative. We talk through all of the mess that we, we can, where we you know, share a little bit of news, we share a little bit of the storylines, the media is kind of portraying, we share a little bit of bullshit that we found on the internet about the team we're playing. Then we hop into quantitative, where we get real into the nitty gritty details of this game, and we break it down, sort of see through the noise for you that sports media is trying to tell you about this game. Then we talk a little bit about other happenings around the league. What else do we want to tell the people that are here for the first time, Nathan? If you would like to support us, or if you'd like to hear these shows as they are recorded live, or if you'd just like to meet a bunch of like-minded people who think the same way about sports and maybe life as you do, we would love if you would join our community on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve, you can find for as few as one doll hairs per month. One doll hairs. A brand new group of friends and acquaintances, both online and in person. And also have access to the latest bleeding edge of the Chapel Bell Curve experience, which is always a beautifully chaotic experience to have. So let's start with our qualitative preview. Let's do it. Let's talk about this preview. We start with the Winsipedia. I'd be happy to hop right into this Winsipedia. If you'd like to join us over at thewinsipedia.com, you can see the dynastic history of these two teams. So far in the series, Georgia has won 19 to Mississippi State 6. There have been no ties. We're in a current win streak of 3 between 2011 and 2020. We have not played this team since 2020. Largest margin of victory in this series is 47-0 in 1997. That is Georgia's win. Longest win streak is 9 games between the years of 1975 and 2006. And if we're looking down at all of the other factors, things like all-time record, championships between both national and conference, bowl games, wins all-time, etc., 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 Georgia has the edge on every single category. And so historically speaking, I will say this has been a fairly lopsided game. And I don't think at this point, you know, Mississippi State is one of teams on the SC West that hasn't really found, a, I guess, a footing, so to speak, since the Mike Leach era has has started. They've had flashes of greatness and flashes of like sort of innovation and interesting things they're bringing to the SEC that you know just don't happen down here in the Southeast. But Mike Leach is bringing them. And so I'm excited to kind of see all the things that we're going to see. So what can, what else can you tell me about, I guess, Mississippi as a place, Mississippi State as a place? I think you're right about the whole finding your footing thing. You know, A, they are working sort of against the most successful coach in the history of Mississippi State football, arguably, which would be Dan Mullen. And, you know, that is what, other than some cultural differences, I think that living in Dan Mullen's shadow was part of the problem 
with the Joe Moorhead era. Mike Leach, mm-hmm. in his time at Mississippi State, has been, like you said, relatively successful. I would say that uh, he's got a couple of things going for him. One, he has a certain brand of football, and I think that having an identity on the field totally, like, definitely helps you build an identity off the field in terms of building a football program. Mike Leach is maybe not the kind of guy that is necessarily going to be able to, like, glad hand you or whatever. It's going to be, you know, he's not (laughs) going to be a a real hit at the Rotary Club or whatever for for a bunch of reasons just because of his personality. I don't know, man. Well, I mean, maybe. It depends on where he is. I've been to a Rotary Club. (laughs) That's true. I mean, he's definitely not, he's definitely not the kind of guy that you want to put in front of a bunch of rich boosters. Let me put it that way. You know, that's in terms fair. of fundraising yeah. events, like I don't think that's really where his his streak lies. Since 2020, he went in a shortened COVID season. He went four and seven. 2021, he went seven and six. And this year, he's six and three. It's hard to really critique him too much. I mean, for various reasons that have to do with more outside of football, sociological and political reasons, Mississippi State is a not underfunded, but has less access to money than many of their peers, even in the state, as in Ole Miss. I mean, not going well. Yeah, and. And it's like, and I don't, I don't think we even need to make this too political, right? Like, I don't, I don't want to disenfranchise or upset people, but you know, Mississippi in general is a place that is affected deeply by poverty, right? And because I'm not interested in dealing with a bunch of complaints via various social media methods, there's no reason to go into why <laughs> that is. I think it's just like sitting right there in front of us. But regardless of those reasons, I mean, since congressional reconstruction really mississippi has been an incredibly underfunded place right and there's a lot of reasons for that and neither of us have history degrees so like whatever but i think that that also in a maybe less important to real life way affects mississippi state mississippi state's campus mm-hmm. is really nice they have they have really good very good facilities they have they have a very nice stadium they however i have not to this point been able to work on the same level of sort of with the big boys outside of Dan Mullen's time there, right? Because yeah. to some extent, I think the advantage that Dan Mullen had at Mississippi State was that Mississippi State is still sort of a place where you can just coach ball. And I think that's probably the, the appeal to Mike Leach, where this is a place where you don't necessarily have to be an incredible fundraiser. You don't have to be sort of the CEO type coach, which Mike Leach is not, right? He's the guy who pl- calls the plays. He barely has an offensive coordinator, right? So... That's all a, a very long st- way of saying that, as with every college football program, they are a product of the history of the area that they're in, right? But hey, on the on the positive side, Mississippi has a new flag that isn't related to the Confederacy, and I think it's pretty cool. Hey, it is pretty cool. It's a nice little magnolia and my favorite tree. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah, good climbing pretty trees. Cool. Well, <laughs> it is a good climbing tree. One thing I think is funny, you, you mentioned Dan Mullen, and I hadn't really heard much from Dan Mullen since, you know, his most recent demise. And so I just kind of saw, like, what's Dan Mullen up to? And just Googled Dan Mullen. And what's really interesting is his about on, like, the, you know how Google does, like, uh, it sort of does, like, here's the most, here's the things you need to know about the thing you're searching. And it puts it in, like, the top right corner. Um, it's got born, past teams coach, spouse, nationality, children. And then the most peculiar one that I found was marriage location. Hmm. In case you just needed to know, he was born in Mount Washington, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Just so <laughs> if anyone is wondering, that has now been solved. I find that very odd. Anyway, there's a few other things that we know about Mississippi. I know we got some some games to play. We got some things to say. We got some uh, some things to share between the two of us. I had a moment where I 
<laughs> it was not important at all. But I did have a moment earlier where I thought, as I was looking up, you know, Mississippi fun facts, a little peek behind the screen. Uh, when we're gathering information, we try to search all the different things that have to do with the place where we're playing or the place we're going to. And so I had a moment where I don't know if there, what was affecting this, but I'm just wondering if there's any correlation or conspiracy theory belonging to the idea that M.S. Jackson, Miss Jackson by Outcast, is referring to the M.S. Mississippi Jackson, M.S. equals Mississippi and Jackson being the capital and the largest city in the state. Just an apology to the entire state of Mississippi, but also the city of Jackson for being for real. And I don't really know where this joke is going other than uh, it blew my mind in a, like a really dumb way. <laughs> I like <laughs> but your... that, that's really it. <laughs> I like that you are the kind of person who is susceptible to truly odious, dangerous conspiracy theories. But the ones that are like, is Outcast talking about Jackson, Mississippi? Those really get you galaxy brained up. That's like really like. That's the one. Make your psyche. Like, I don't care if it was the Titanic that really sank. I want to know if they were talking about Mississippi. <laughs> so you have. That's you have what a, I got. You have a comment about their mascot. Because I put down that Bully is a good mascot. Because I really like. I like the non all white bulldog look. I, I do think it's really kind of weird how many bullies they've had. Well, it's actually not that weird. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting because I think that they're full. They're currently on bully 21. And that's a lot of bullies. One, that's because they've actually had the mascot longer than us. They've had the like physical mascot. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the first bully was in 1905. Um, and they've had the same character since 93, or scare, same caretaker since 93, whereas we've only had the Siler family as the caretakers. Uh, and two, mm -hmm. I think it's because sometimes bullies don't bullies don't have, like, Supreme Court appointments. They're more term limited. You know, they're, they're, they, <laughs> okay. they can be like term limited out of office, you know, a little bit earlier than Uggas, who sort of tend to die on the job. I don't know. I just, I like bullies. I'm of the long-held opinion that, and luckily we've, we've gotten past this with Russ, but I'm of the long-held opinion that Ugga does not have to be all white. And that it is actually, like, genetically no. bad. Bully looks, let's be honest, way more healthier than Ugga. Mm-hmm. That looks like a bulldog I want to pet and hang out with and take care of because I know they're not going to be a bill. Well, it looks like a bulldog that could walk around a little bit. Yeah. I did say in the notes, I, <laughs> so this has been, you, you wrote some notes out and then I kind of came back in and added some bullet points to, to kind of like debate each of them apparently. So that's, I guess, our new dynamic. But I said that I felt like it was a really missed opportunity that Mississippi State did not make their mascot the Mockingbird because the state bird of Mississippi is the Mockingbird. And I really think of all the teams in the SEC, at least the SEC, that would make sense to have the Mockingbird be their mascot. Mississippi State is it. They are the like the troll of the SEC. If we're if we're and then the Ole Miss, I think, is a pretty close second at the very least, but only Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. But Mississippi State with the Clanga, with the Countbell, the Mockingbird would have made a lot more sense for this situation. Yeah. I don't know they're tied to, to bully, and I didn't bother looking it up, but I'm just upset that it's not the tiny mockingbird, you know? Yeah, that would be awesome. Kind of like a la the Roadrunner. I also I also just wanna I, I wanna point something out that I just found while I was looking mm -hmm. up Bully and Ugga. And this is another just random note about mascots. Here's a missed opportunity. UGA as an athletic department is very, very sponsored by Ford. They are very much a Ford organization. But for mm -hmm. some reason, Ugga's official car is a suburban provided by Chevrolet. 
I call that brand. That's <laughs> that's misalignment. That's brand misalignment, right? Get put Uga in the back of like a jacked up new Bronco. A, it would be Ooh, weird be cool, and cool, though. right? And B, like, why not? It's not like the fans are gonna have a problem with it. The fans will think that's all, all super dope, right? Get him an escape. Anyway, Uga should be in a Ford. He deserves the respect that the rest of the athletic department gets. That's that's just my that's my hot take. So I think we have give to, him what he deserves. Well, I have a game for you. Hit me and, and this is a guessing game. This is called Is This a Mike Leach Quote? So mm-hmm. Mike Leach sort of famously will just run off at the mouth. He says buck wild stuff. The 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 classic sort of Mike Leach rant at a press conference often has nothing to do with college football and makes no sense whatsoever. So what I have done is I have I've come up with 17 or sorry, 14 quotes. Now Half of these are from Mike Leach. Half of these are from other weird things that people have said. And mm-hmm. I don't want to get any more specific than that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to read you a quote and I want you to tell me, and, I, and I'm, I've got these sort of in no particular order and I'm going to use like a random generator to pick which one I give you. So I want okay. you to tell me, is this Mike Leach or someone else? And I then will, I guess, pause and I will let the people at home guess and then we'll go mm-hmm. from there. All right. You ready? I'm ready. So, first up, we have, well, we're aiming for zero, but I imagine we'll end up somewhere north of that. <laughs> so, let's pause. What's your guess? That feels like Mike Leach. All right, I'll pause for you to guess at home. Yes, that is Mike Leach. Talking about his <laughs> defenses, uh, how many points he wants his defense to go up, to give up. All right, you ready? Yes. Here's another one. I'm ready. America literally invented free speech, and the First Amendment prohibits an advertiser from pulling ads. It is sad that people have clearly never read the Declaration of Independence. Oh, the first one felt like just like Mike Leach. This one could be a lot of people. (laughs) Yes. I don't think that's Mike Leach. I think this is something silly like Elon Musk. I think you found like an Elon Musk quote and, and pitched it in here. Close. This is actually a tweet from the account Three Year Letterman. Oh, okay, good. Not so you've got your two for two. Very good. I'm Very two good average okay. so far. All right, next. Everybody's all surprised every time this stuff stuff happens. It surprises me everybody gets surprised because it happens every year. Like this, <laughs> like that. There are surprises. The most surprising thing would be if there weren't any surprises. So therefore, in the final analysis, none of it's really surprising. What even? I think this is Mike Leach, and if it is Mike Leach, I think I've found the common thread that Mike Leach is just a confused baby that was given a starting job (laughs) at a major university. I'll I'll pause for the people at home. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is Mike Leach. (laughs) Talking about upsets. Uh, All right. Who gave him the keys to the car? And I'll go ahead and give you a, a, I'll give you a, a hint here. This is a quote from a tweet. And it is a tweet that is in that kind of like common tweet format where someone lists out like bullet points of something. Okay. okay. So here's what they say. First line, I am above the mudslinging. Second line, I am above the responding to people's crap. Third line, I did not throw a snowball at someone's baby in 2004. Fourth line, <laughs> I am owed a platform. <laughs> that's mike leach (laughs) please let it be mike leach (laughs) let me pause here for people at home to guess no that is a tweet from the parody 
That is the tweet from the account Drill. Ugh. That's good. D-R-I-L. Good follow online. All right, I you ready? I want to know the, the origin of the snowball quote. <laughs> it might just be All right, you ready nothing. for this? Yeah, I'm good for it. I just want one day off when I can go swimming and eat ice cream and look at rainbows. Oh, that's Mike Leach. Let it be Mike Leach. Give him the rainbows. I can't. I'm bad at this now. I don't know anymore. Pause. Pause for the people at home. That is actually Mariah Carey before she was first admitted <laughs> to drug rehab. Oh, no. All right. Next. <laughs> that's awful. It's kind of like doing surgery with a chainsaw instead of a scalpel. We had pieces and parts flying everywhere. Uh, I'm going to say not Mike Leach. That is, in fact, Mike Leach. Damn it. After his first win or his first game at Mississippi State. Ugh. No, sorry. After his first game at Texas Tech. All right. So we've got like sounds like eight left. All right. These are never going to be bad. Does anyone think global warming is a good thing? I love Lady Gaga. I think she's a really interesting artist. Not Mike Leach. Yes, you were correct. That is a tweet oh. from Britney Spears. Oh my god! I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're. Yeah, I think you've only gotten like three right, and we have yeah one, two, three, four. We have eight left, so you are currently uh, what, like three and four, or something like that. Three and five. Three so, and several. Yeah, three and five, I think, is the, the official right now. All right, smoking kills. If you're killed, you've lost a very important part of your life. <laughs> not Mike Leach. That is not Mike Leach. You're correct. You are now four <sighs> and five. That is Brooke Shields doing uh-huh. a smoking and anti-smoking campaign ad. All right. I've specifically concentrated on not concentrating on this. And up to this point, I've done a really good job. Oh, that's Mike Leach. That's 100% Mike Leach. Oh, you are you are rounding into form. I believe Ooh. that puts you at that puts you at so we have let's see. You've done 9. I believe that puts you at 5 and 4. So we're above 500. Ugh. Very good. We're doing it. 10. That was Mike Leach by the way talking about the college football rank off ranking uh, college football playoff rankings. All Scandinavians feel a tiny bit self-conscious, of which I'm one. I'm supposed to be outgoing and interesting. No, I've always been insecure about dancing. I was when I was in high school. This could be a red herring. Because I'm... I don't know for sure, but I feel pretty confident that Mike Leach is not Scandinavian. (laughs) I'm going to say not Mike Leach. Oh, that puts us at five and five. That is Mike Leach. Mike Leach is in fact Scandinavian. And in this same quote... He goes on to talk about how he always had to skip the line dancing parts of his gym class. Okay. Not sure why that is. So, <laughs> But it is. Yeah. So he was born in California uh, and he, he ended up going to Brigham Young. He said a very interesting, uh, he said a very interesting sort of uh, educational path. He sure But has. I believe he is Scandinavian. All right. Four left. So I, th- I oh think that goodness. I think that puts you at five and five. Okay. So I'm thinking of buying a monkey. Then I think, why stop at one? I don't like being limited in that way. Therefore, I'm considering a platoon of monkeys so that people will look at me and see how mellow and well-adjusted I am compared to those monkeys throwing feces around. 
I don't think it's Mike Leach. It is not Mike Leach. Very good. That, that puts you at six and five. That was Robert Downey Jr. while talking about how the, he is viewed by the paparazzi. Whew. Man. All right. What else you got for me? Here we go. Three left. Or four left, I guess. I have a swagger coach that helps me and teaches me different set swaggerific things to do. He's helped me with my style and just putting different pieces together and being able to layer and stuff like that. I don't think Mike Leach has ever said the word swagger. I'm going to say not Mike Leach. That is correct. We are currently, that is Justin Bieber. You are currently at, I guess that puts you at six and and five. five. Six and five. Seven and five. All right. Two more. Starbucks on 93 in Brookway. <laughs> Uptight queen barista named Jay has an attitude problem. Uh, that's Mike Leach. Incorrect. That is Alec Baldwin being homophobic. Damn it. On Twitter. Oh, no. <laughs> so I think that puts you at what? Seven and seven and six. six? All right. Here we go. Oh, Let's man. see if we get over 500. Last one. I don't even remember what I said. I hope whatever I said was cute and clever and maybe even a tiny bit humorous. I hope it wasn't mindless babble. And if it was, hopefully everyone will forget about it pretty quick. That's Mike Leach. It is Mike Leach. Very good. You end. <laughs> I believe that brings you all the way up to what? Uh, nine and five? Something like that. Sure. All right. We'll say good job by you, my boy. All right. So. Let's take an opportunity and go over some of the news of the day. Talk to me yeah. about anything that you, any response you have to any of these. I guess right off the dome, okay. something that doesn't really matter, but that has been much hullabaloo is Georgia is currently your number one team in the college football playoff rankings. As we expected, the King has returned. Long live the King, as they should be. I don't know if you have any response other than that. That's it, as they should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, several sources have reported that A.D. Mitchell is doubtful for this weekend. He hasn't taken yeah. reps. According to Kirby Smart, the rest of the guys are all repping other than him. He's been out there running, doing exercises. I have heard things from Seth Emerson, among others, who have said that they expect him back maybe for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Offensive That's tackle, Amarius Mims, Xavier Truss, and Robert Beal have all been doing great. Robert Beal apparently has just a had a neck stinger, which is very good because he went out from that game with a neck injury, which was very scary. And also yeah. not great for the team because of the loss of Nolan Smith. Kenny Mokhtash has been limited, but is still going to play because of his deep. He had a deep thigh contusion that I think he picked up around. I'm going to say Missouri because they cut block a lot. Any responses to any of that? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of we're in the end of the season, the end of the regular season at this point. So I think that I wouldn't be surprised if the next three games are just kind of slower and more conservative as we sort of gather our collective metaphorical spirit bombs for a potential SEC championship. And so I I am glad to hear that none of these guys are out for the season. I hope that they are taking their time and coming back as they can and need to, because I do think that we're going to definitely need all these defensive players if we have a chance at winning everything. And and I think you're right about this point. It is, it is weird to be in this position, but it is more about the postseason now than it is the, the in-game season. Couple of storylines going into this game. Honestly, probably the number one one is just the fact that this is a night game at Mississippi State. It is a prime opportunity for a letdown game. Mm -hmm. This is the ultimate Klinga game. Klinga Klinga. Any thoughts on that? Klinga Klinga, baby. I mean, yeah, it's true. I mean, Chaos was alive and well last weekend. 
it could very well be alive and well this weekend. I think that we're, you know, statistically speaking, we're about to find out that this is a team that should put Mississippi State away pretty easily. But weirder things have happened, as we have already seen this year. It's weird because I don't think that we're going to be susceptible to that. But it is possible, right? So I think it's just work. Yeah, it's always possible. Work talking about another thing that's always sort of like stereotypically worth talking about when you're playing a Mike Leach team is how much zone do we play versus how much man? Very famously, Mike Leach sort of started the beginning of the end of the Ed Orgeron era, basically because Ed Orgeron hired a bad defensive coordinator who only played man against an air raid team. And as we'll talk about later on in this episode, air raid is sort of designed from the ground up to beat man coverage. Another Mm -hmm. thing schematically that I'm interested in is does Mike Leach abandon the run? He has been running a lot this year. And up until the Kentucky loss, he actually was really pretty committed to the run. They have a very good running back who is probably a little bit underrated coming out of high school. He actually went to school in Georgia, I believe. And up until the Alabama and Kentucky games, they had basically been running not at the average rate of like, you know, an average team would, but way above what their normal average for runs per game was. And then he just sort of Mm -hmm. walked away from the run. And so I'm very interested to yeah. see if they are willing to stick to that. Do you have any thoughts about that? It's kind of the air raid style. <laughs> it's how I kind of feel about it. I know we're going to get into more details about what that actually is. And for those of you that have heard air raid in the past, but not maybe known specifically what it is or what to look for or what, you know, to pick it out of a lineup. But I'm excited to get into the quantitative piece of this because I know there there's a lot here potentially, and I don't want to get in a place where we don't talk at length about a game that we should win and then have a situation where are we the drama are we the reason why the team yeah because we didn't do our we want to we want to we want to take it seriously for sure yeah so so pay me a a beautiful tapestry a beautiful picture of of what this team should look like based on the numbers that we've been given this is a team that is 79th in net yard per play a good net yard mm-hmm. per play on a, over a year's time is somewhere above two. If you want to have a national championship team other than your blue chip ratio, one of the other big like top level stats you can look at is net yards per play. They are 79th basically because they are they have been let down at different times by both their defense and their offense. Their average yards percentage gained net is also in the, uh, the 60s. Their success rate actually is really good. It's 18th overall. Right. Their EPA per play is mm-hmm. 50th overall. But this has been a team that hasn't always played good situational football. And what I mean by that is there have been times where one side or the other has just been totally shut down. This is a team that is led, you know, all the way from from top to toe to tip by Will Rogers, who is a legitimate quarterback who will probably get a, at least a cup of coffee in the NFL. 0.02 EPA per play is not great. 65% completion percentage is pretty good. 2,813 yards, 26 TDs, five interceptions. This dude is the, I mean, he is the prototypical air raid quarterback. He can make all the throws in, in the entire offense. He's very comfortable with it. He has, he has been doing this for a long time in the system. I believe this is his third year in the system. He is 6'2". So in that sense, he's not a prototypical air raid quarterback because you would expect them to be a little bit shorter. He is a guy who... I mean, he will carve you up if you give him the opportunity to. They are led by a, a trio of receiving threats who all have amazing names. Rufus Harvey, Caleb Ducking, and Ra-Ra Thomas. All three of those have five <laughs> or more uh, receiving touchdowns on the year. Harvey and Caleb Ducking are your 6'5 perimeter guys, your sort of stereotypical 
four verts outside wide receivers in the air raid. They are not Michael Crabtree, but they are in the Michael Crabtree role. Robert Thomas is only 6'2", still a big guy. I think based on the limited amount of tape I was able to watch based on my schedule, that he is more of your move around the field guy. He's a sort of more of a space guy. They are, interestingly enough, not at the very top of the heap in plays per game. They only run 66 plays per day game, which is 28th in the nation. So they're still towards the top, but they are not total top of the heap as you expect a a um, offensive team under Mike, Leach, under Mike Leach to do. And actually, they are tied in average plays per game with Georgia this year, which, you know, okay. one of the original core th- sort of tenants behind the air raid was to run a very fast style of offense. I do think that Mike Leach's, as we'll talk about in a second, his version of the air raid is sort of the pure uncut shit. So maybe they don't run quite as fast as teams like in the Josh Heupel, Art Bryles tree might. So they are kind of lagging behind. Another reason that they probably haven't run as many plays is that there have been a couple of, there have been three times this season where their offense has been absolutely shut down. And we'll talk about that in a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are good against the pass, but they haven't defended many passes per game. This is kind of a situational thing because what the air raid will do is death by a thousand cuts you. They The air raid in many ways is sort of like the passing triple option, not only because it was designed to overcome a deficit in talent, but also because when it's going, they will just run like 15, 16 play drives on you. So as a response to that, defensive coaches often want to avoid giving them the ball as much as possible and just possess the ball and run the ball against them. But they yeah. are still in those opportunities pretty good against the pass. Interestingly enough, like they are they are 68th in the nation and passes defense per game. But on those 34 about 34 passes per game that they've been run, they've been defending, they are in the top 20 in pass defense. Now, not so much in against the run. They are 103rd in total EPA per against the run. EPA per play is 104th. EPA per game is 102nd. They have defense 284 run plays, which is good for 44th in the nation. People are running the ball against this team. They are having some amount of success against them. This is, I would say, an average to below average defense. I believe that we have this in our CBCR2 rankings. We have Mississippi as F. I'm off the top of my head, I think it's in the 30s on defense. Yeah, 36th mm-hmm. in the nation on defense. Just by way of comparison, if we look at a team like Tennessee, they were 16th in the nation on defense. Uh, some, for some other like former opponents of UGA, Oregon is 52nd in the nation on defense. Uh, Florida is, oh, they're way down the list. Got to scroll. <laughs> LOL. 61st in the nation <laughs> scroll, on defense. Scroll. So this is not a team that's quite like a Florida t- a team defensively that we are just going to totally dominate. However, it is a team that is worse to this point in the season than Tennessee, a team that we pretty much did dominate. Yeah. Part of what you have to do when you talk about any team coached by Mike Leach is inherently talk about the air raid system. So before we get into things that we want to see, I just want to like run through like a pretty quick like elevator pitch. Uh, yeah. Do you do you have any questions before we start? What this is a good question. What do you how do you differentiate our normal offense with a like an above average passing game between that and the air raid offense? What's the big difference? Yeah. So and and particularly when we're talking about air raid, I I really want to separate this house from there's air raid concepts and then there's Mike Leach's air raid. Right. Mike Leach is the head mm-hmm. is the font of the air raid tree. Him and Hal Mummy. They started at Iowa Wesleyan, and then in the 90s, they were at Kentucky together. 
So every offense that is good and is not a military academy offense runs air raid concepts. Plays like four verts, plays like mesh, plays like the spit concept, route route combo, which we'll talk about all those in a second. Those are passing concepts that appear in every modern offense. The difference is that Mike Leach runs like the the deep uncut shit, right? And so what they do <laughs> is they run a very few number of plays. They run like, you know, 50, 40, 30% as many plays total in their playbook as anybody else in the nation. And the way they turn that into a functional affix is a, is a couple of things. One, they're a tempo-oriented team, so they, they get up to the line pretty fast. Two, they... They run those plays with a bunch of different tags. So they add, you know, sort of the birth of the RPO, the genesis of the early version of the RPO kind of came out of the air raid. Um, and some of those tags are RPOs themselves. And they run out of many different for, uh, formations, three by one, two by two, you know, stuff like 21 personnel, all sorts of weird different formations. Sometimes they'll put their wide receiver at the tight end spot. Oftentimes they do the the stack formations where they put two wide receivers on top of each other at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes they will often do the Josh, the Josh Heupel thing where they put wide receivers all the way out on the edge of the field, right? But they're only running mm-hmm. a very few plays. In terms of the core of this offense is they are, weirdly enough, for as much as they have a, a reputation as bombing it, this is kind of an efficiency offense. This is an offense designed to get chunk plays. And many of those chunk plays will often be bombing it down the field, but not always. They replace their running game with short passing plays, mostly. They pretty much run inside zone, outside zone with RPO tags as their running concepts, or at least they have historically. They, you know, in terms of plays to know, this is an offense that is like the original, get the guys the ball in space. They have a concept called throwing yeah. to grass where they, they, they won't necessarily throw to a, a person or read a, a wide receiver. They throw to a spot. The old adage is that oftentimes Mike Leach quarterbacks will practice by throwing to trash cans on the field instead of throwing to practice wide receivers. Because the point is, based on what the wide receiver s- sees, he makes the read. The quarterback makes the same read and he throws the spot and the wide receiver gets there. And if you do it correctly, the wide receiver has grass in front of him. Mm -hmm. This is an offense that is easy to install. They can install it in like three days. doesn't have that many plays, so it's easy to memorize. It has very good communication concepts because it's not that complicated. You know, sometimes their their play calls will be as few as two or three words long or maybe even one, where basically they will get a formation, a number, and then tags. And so it might be like easy 92 and then wheel. So 92 is the play that tells you the blocking protection that tells you what the routes are. It tells you what the reads are, whatever the first word is, that's your formation. And then the last word is your tag, which is like, okay, we want to add a wheel route on it, or we want to add a inside zone blocking team on it, or we want to turn one of these four verts into a crossing route, whatever. Okay. Now there are three plays you need to know for the air raid other than inside and outside zone. The two most famous air raid plays, like identity-wise, the air raid play is four verts. The air raid made four verts into the modern concept it is. Four verts is just a play where everybody runs down the field. A lot of times they will target the guy in the seam, like in the slot, basically, as their number one read. It just depends. Uh, This is like, if they take a shot, this is the shot they take. Everybody runs four verts now, but it's kind of because of the air raid. In terms of the most prolific or staple play offensively, they run something called mesh. Mesh has a lot of different variations, and there's also all sorts of stuff that the outside two wide receivers or the outside right receiver can do. But the core of mesh is 
your two inside wide receivers run crossing routes and they try to time up what's called a mesh point or a high five point. So if you think about two wide receivers Mm -hmm. and we're standing where the quarterback is, you have two wide receivers run across the middle of the field and they're trying to create a natural rub route where they literally run past each other at the same time and high five right in front of the quarterback. What this does is it (laughs) no, literally there have been Mike Leach teams where they would high five. Like you can, it is on tape in games. And so the design of this is that you move a linebacker uh, if they're being trailed by a linebacker or safety or a, or like a Jack player, like, or a money player that you scrape that guy off with the natural movement of the play without getting called for offensive pass interference. This is a classic man beater. If you were man on man, this play is going to eat you alive, right? And they do all sorts of stuff based on this play. And that's why Bo Pelini is such an idiot for running man against them at LSU, because they will just run mesh (laughs) on you until they score 50 points like that. They can and will do that. Mm -hmm. And Mike Leach, as an offensive play caller, is not above running the same play like 10 times. He like absolutely does not mind that at all. Let's see. The only other thing, and this is kind of like a more of an inside football kind of thing that I guess you don't really need to know. Their other big play is more of a, it's a route combo. It's called a spit. And it, it it's kind of a similar, it's not a similar concept, but the thought process is similar to mesh. So basically you have uh, your, your, if you think about from outside to inside, from strong side, we start at the strong side, outside wide receiver in a two by two set. And we go one, two, three, four. That's how we number our, our wide receivers. Okay. So your, your, one and four will usually run go routes, like deep routes, or they'll run like deep crossers or whatever. But then the real combo is on the inside three. Okay. So the inside wide receiver closest to the line of scrimmage will run a hitch where he runs forward five yards and turns around to face the quarterback. The second outside wide receiver, so like if you have three by one, he will run a an out, right? So if you think of three men to a side, the guy farthest away is going straight down the field. The guy in the middle is going an out route. And then the dude... And the inside is running a hitch. And what that does is you clear out any any safeties with the go route. You make space for the hitch with the with the out route. And either your hitch or out is is probably open right there. And the spit concept is usually how you just have a dude standing facing the quarterback wide open. Sometimes you'll see this in offense in when you have air raid offenses where there's just a dude who's usually a small white guy standing like 10 yards down the field with no one around him. That's spit. That's that's the spit concept. So that's what you need to look for. If those plays aren't working, if mesh spit and four verts aren't working, this offense kind of falls apart, right? This is a team that lost games to the three best teams that they played, LSU, UK, and Bama, and not in a close fashion, right? And I, I want to trash transition this into what we want to see. There are non-football things to consider, you know, the psychology, the letdown spot, the home field advantage. And I'm nervous because I'm kind of a Munson at heart, but we should take care of business here. This is a this is a team who is built on its offensive identity, and its offensive identity has been one that good teams, which Georgia is, have completely dismantled. They scored three points against Alabama. I believe they scored like 13 points against LSU. They have not been good against good teams this year. So what do you want to see based on all of the stuff we just talked about? Things we want to see. Things I want to see. It's hard to say, you know, I mean... Looking at Mississippi State season so far, it looks as if just based on talent and comparative talent, Mississippi State's not a bad team. It does seem like Georgia, the way that Georgia is structured, the way that Georgia is schematically structured, we're going to be just fine. It is particularly interesting, I will say, that when looking at Hinden Hooker versus Will Rogers, 
And also just the way both these teams are their outputs at this point, not not necessarily their outcomes. They are similar teams, this Tennessee and this Mississippi State, but wildly different outcomes so far. So that's interesting, I think. With that in mind, I feel like what I would like to see is Georgia handle Mississippi State in a very similar fashion to Tennessee, obviously. That's the the, the most obvious thing I will say that, that we want to see. But um, really, I think that the things that we – less it's less about playing Mississippi State this coming weekend and I think more about fixing mistakes that we have seen so far. I'm thinking particularly about the very first drive in the Tennessee game uh, where Georgia turned the ball over and there were a couple more turnovers throughout the game. I think the other thing that I would really like to see is Hidden Hooker and Will Rogers have both been sacked the exact amount of times, which I think is pretty fantastic. Uh, Will Rogers having more yardage and more touchdowns, more inter- interceptions, which I think it just comes with the territory of throwing that much more. But I would like to see Will Rogers have to run and actually, you know, dance for his dinner, so to speak. I think that <laughs> you're exactly right when you say that I think that Mississippi State's just going to have to abandon the run as they already kind of have. <laughs> they only run 21 plays per game when it comes to rushing. And they're really just, they're very, very, very average when it comes to rushing. They have a pretty decent success rate, but I think that really just, I want to force them to pass. I want Will Rogers to have to run around back there. And I want to see them get beat against the run because this is a team that is really bad against the run. And so I just don't think they're going to do really great when it comes to a, a Georgia team that's just trying to run the clock over the next three games. They're just trying to get through the next 180 minutes as quickly as possible, I feel. Get on the field, get off the field, and and kind of get to what we need to get to at the end of the season. Is there anything else you want to add to? Well, yeah. I mean, the only thing I would I would say, not to even restrict you, but just to add to what you just said, like, this is a team that can get the ball out quick by design. You have to just get pressure in his face. I think pressure is probably a bigger deal than sacks in this game. You would love Mm -hmm. to see sacks in this game, but I think really the thing is just to get pressure in Will Rogers' face. Keep him off timing. Definitely. And that I mean that's all I I mean this is a game and like you like you said earlier, you want to do this due diligence. You want this to be an episode that you take seriously because if you don't then we're going to lose in some horrible fashion. But this is a game that we should win. Currently CBCR2 has this as a 22 point UGA win. I think it's like 42 to something something like that currently our prediction from our cbcr sam rather is mississippi state 18 georgia 40 so i you know i mean to me if we're gonna just like segue into our predictions that kind of sounds right to me i don't know that this defense is going to be able to stop the run if anything i might adjust that offensive output down just because i think one of the things that we're going to try to do is just like take the air out of the ball to some extent because they haven't been able to stop yeah. the run well yeah if you turn the ball over in this game then they will stay in it but if you don't and if you come out and start fast like you said if you put pressure on rogers i think you're gonna have a good outcome to me this feels like we're gonna they're gonna get theirs to some extent, like a touchdown or something. And then I think they're gonna have kind of a similar deal to Tennessee where they just are forced to to kick field goals too much. So I'm gonna say 38-16. What do you think? I don't think it's that different. I think it's 42-13. I think Georgia gets what we needed to get done. And then Mississippi State might not see the end zone that often, but they'll definitely, you know, they'll get a few explosive plays off, I think, and then they'll they'll be able to to, you know, put some kicks through the uprights. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward. Not too bad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm proud of us. Is there anything you want to talk about across the across the nation? I was trying to see. Um, I was trying to see what kind of games were coming up this weekend. 
And then I got derailed because I learned that there is a wild, wild west style rivalry between the University of Texas and Purdue, where they're trying to decide who has the biggest bass drum. And currently, it's Texas. But apparently, Purdue has, uh, they've said that they are coming back. Um, that's not happening this weekend, but I wish it was. But other than that, I think that the the really the only game that I'm super curious to see how it goes is the Alabama Ole Miss game. You know, that kind of decides the rest of the SEC West, uh, who we may or may not be playing if we do make it to the SEC championship. Uh, I'd say the UCF Tulane game might be pretty interesting uh, and to see if Oregon and Washington, that goes Oregon's way as well, because they've been doing pretty well. Um, oh, and one more game is the Texas TCU game, which is a dreaded rivalry that will be held uh, in Austin and Texas, who is ranked 18 to TCU's four, Texas is favored by seven points right now, uh, which I am curious to see how that goes. Uh, are there any games that you are curious about? I, this is a weird week. I, there's some games that we have identified as being interesting from a betting perspective in terms of how far away the Vegas line is versus our Sam line. Uh, USC Colorado is one that I think we our our Sam model might like Colorado too much because we only have USC winning this by 12 to 13 points and Vegas has it by 34. Uh so I'm relatively interested in that one like I'm not going to watch the game and I watch the score though. I'm I'm pretty interested to see how LSU does coming off of like the one of the biggest wins in recent memory for their program. CBCR Sam has that as a 43-25 our, our LSU win, but you know, this is a, a relatively young regime, and I'm I'm just interested to see if they can follow through on that. That's actually another one from a betting perspective that we really like LSU to cover the three point spread there. Let's see. I this isn't necessarily like the biggest week. I mean, Ole Miss Alabama is going to be the game. That is also a game that. I kind of think Alabama might run away with. I just don't know that Ole Miss can stop anybody. And Alabama's offense is not great, but they're good enough to put points on Ole Miss. Um, that's about it. I mean, I'm going to be watching our game. And then before, you know, before that, I will just be flipping to like whatever is on. This is one of my few free weekends. And I intend to just let the the flow of the universe take me will it where it will. Oh, here's one other thing I will say before we get out of here and before you do the outro. I actually think that Missouri has the biggest bass drum in the world. It's called Big Mo, and they claim that it is the biggest bass drum above the other two, by the way. It's quite big. It also takes a lot of work to tune. Any of those bass drums take so much time to tune. Yeah. Although I am interested to see the Purdue and the Texas bass drum. Hold on. Let me look up images of these. What are they called? Let's see. The world. It's just called the Purdue big bass drum. That doesn't look that big. I think I, I think that at some point that because you're having these bespoke made, like you don't you can't just buy these off the lot. Oh, Texas looks like theirs is bigger to me. Big Bertha. That's a good name. Because you can't just like buy these off the lot, like you have to have them made bespoke by, I think, usually the same, per, uh, the same, um, there's only like two or three people that'll make them for you. 
I think like there's only so many models of these that you can make. Do you know what I mean? Like there's only so many mod like there's only so many sizes and like you're having to have everything made by hand for you basically. Like the base drum heads are you have to have them made bespoke. The carriage for it has to be made bespoke. I mean, I'm sure the tuning lugs on it are not standard base tuning drums or tuning lugs. Anyway, that's all I that was like just I have to stop because my my band mind just went crazy. Yeah, it looks like Big Bertha is the biggest, but who knows? Anyway, take us out of here before we we go too far. All right. Well, this has been Chapel Bell Curve. As you found us today, you can also find us on iTunes and Google Play and Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you can subscribe to a podcast. But if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Facebook, searching Chapel Bell Curve, email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com, and on Twitter at Chapel Bell Curve as well. If you like what you heard today, consider giving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your ding-dang podcasts. Um, podcast, podcast, podcast. We say podcast a lot. I've been thinking about changing the name to Podchats. I think it's a better name for what podcasts are because podcast means nothing, but Podchats is what we do. If you'd like to support the show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash chapelbellcurve. For as little as $1, you can join this lovely group of people and get all sorts of awesome benefits. Leaving us a rating and a review, just like I said, and it's in the notes here twice, but... <laughs> Uh, very good. Anyways, we're going to catch you in the Classic City because we're both going to be here, but you can catch anybody that's going to this game up in Mississippi. Make sure you let Miss Jackson know that we are for real. And until then, go dogs. Go dogs.